what is makes possible what could be. Let me say that one more time. What is makes possible what could be. You have a starting point, your current reality. And then as you take steps in that direction, it opens up new possibilities, new opportunities, new applications that have never existed before, which in turn create even more opportunities and possibilities. Here's one quick example. The desktop computer eventually opened up the possibilities for personal digital assistance. Remember the old Palm Pilot, which eventually opened up possibilities for cell phones, which eventually opened up possibilities for smartphones. Each step opened new possibilities. And history and our world is full of those types of examples of how what is opens up and makes possible what could be. So what does that have to do with Easter and the story of Jesus' resurrection? Well, the short answer is everything. It's been said if Jesus' tomb is empty, then everything changes. Jesus' resurrection is the single greatest, most significant event to ever happen in our human story and experience. And if the starting point for Easter is an empty tomb, then that means all sorts of endless possibilities can come from that moment into our lives and into our world. Today, in this moment, when Jesus makes the declaration, I am the resurrection and the life, that reality and truth changes everything. Easter isn't just celebrating a past event from 2,000 years ago. And Easter isn't just a belief in what will happen in an afterlife. But Easter is about the reality for us today. And because of that, Easter carries within it this hope and reality that says how you live your life now really matters. That a different kind of life, an abundant and full life is possible because of Jesus' resurrection. The story of Easter is about holding on to that hope and experiencing that hope and life right here, right now in the midst of whatever situation you're walking through. I need to pause for a moment just to acknowledge my own current reality. I don't know the extent of what you are walking through here today, but I know I desperately need to experience resurrection, life, and hope for myself. Some of you are aware that over this last year, our family has walked through an overwhelming amount of trauma, grief, and loss from my dad's passing in the fall to the murder of a family friend. And we've also experienced a number of significant mental health challenges that have been navigated. So much has been thrown at us. And to be honest, we're still walking through a lot of it right now. Been too many tears to count, too many sleepless nights, too many moments of darkness and grief that are surrounding us. And because of that, if I'm completely honest, it's felt like the absolute worst time to write an Easter sermon about hope and life and new possibilities. And it's perhaps also the best time to write an Easter sermon about hope and life and new possibilities because it is leading me back to Jesus. It's allowing me to rediscover resurrection life and possibilities, even in the midst of a lot of tears and messiness and uncertainty. 
Well, maybe you can relate to that experience this morning and those emotions. Or maybe you're in a different place right now, a quiet, uneventful place, but here's the reality. Wherever you find yourself in that story today, at some point in each of our lives, we are going to face moments and situations that will require Easter hope and Easter possibilities. I'm learning that my current reality and story and emotions aren't much different from what the early disciples must have experienced on that first Easter Sunday. And because of that, I can lean into some new hope today. And so in our time together, I want to share with you just a little bit of what I'm trying to learn in the process. Earlier, we heard some of our 10th kids read the Easter story to us and found in John chapter 20. And so I want to pick up from that place and talk about a few realities that are found in the resurrection story that I believe can lead us into new possibilities in a new experience of hope and life today. And so here's the first reality I'm learning. Resurrection begins in the dark. I find comfort in the opening words of the Easter story early Sunday morning, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb. The Easter story begins in darkness and emptiness because resurrection isn't gonna happen any other way. Without death and loss and darkness, there would not be a need for resurrection. And the words recorded here, while it was still dark, aren't an accident. In the book of John, there is this thread that is woven throughout the chapter and through the chapters about creation and then about a rebirth or a recreation. And that theme is woven all the way through the pages. And so the opening words in the book of John start in the beginning, which are identical to the opening words found in the very first book of the Bible, Genesis, and the creation poem, which also starts in the beginning. And so just like the creation of the world begins in darkness and emptiness, this new reality, this resurrection story also begins in darkness. And so Mary Magdalene is the first person to get to the tomb. She'll become the first person to become the first eyewitness of Jesus' resurrection. But she doesn't know that yet. Instead, Mary and the other disciples are reeling from the events of the last number of hours and days They've experienced this unexpected, devastating loss as they see Jesus die on a cross, their hopes and dreams shattered, a figurative and literal dead end to everything that they had been hoping and holding on to as followers of Jesus. They certainly weren't envisioning new possibilities that could come out of their current reality. And so the only thing we know here is that Mary shows up at Jesus' tomb. She's alone, she's afraid. Numb, grieving, shattered. The darkness of the day around her matched only by the weight of what she is carrying. There is a rawness to the Easter story. So many emotions that are found in the recorded words, but also in, in between all of the other words. And I'm sure Mary is feeling this disorientation and uncertainty as she navigates the shadows and darkness around her and comes and shows up at an empty tomb. I can find myself in Mary's story. And I'm sure many of you can do the same. Maybe it comes from feeling the weight and darkness of a personal situation that you are walking through right now. Maybe it's a struggle that you're battling 
or questions you're asking. Maybe you're feeling the brokenness of what your friends or coworkers or neighbors or people around you are carrying. Maybe you're feeling the heaviness and pain of the world and the situations that are happening all around us. And boy, can it feel dark. But I want you to hear this. Darkness is also the starting point for resurrection, the birthplace of Easter. And that reality that resurrection begins in the dark is something good and hopeful to lean into and to grab hold of today in this moment. Here's the second reality I find in the Easter story. What I'm beginning to learn in my own experience. Resurrection is found in the dirt and messiness of life. While Mary is standing at the tomb, she hears this voice from behind her. It's Jesus, but she doesn't recognize him. And then we read these words. She thought he was the gardener. Mary thinks Jesus is the gardener. And that is such a beautiful thing. We're not told the reason why Mary thinks this, but I love how author Nadia Boltz Weber imagines it. She writes, when Mary Magdalene stood at the tomb, she didn't encounter some perfected, radiant, glowing Jesus that morning. Seriously, no offense to gardeners, but Jesus couldn't have been looking all that tidy and impressive if Mary mistook him for a gardener. And she goes on to say, I like to think that Mary Magdalene mistook the resurrected Jesus for a gardener because Jesus still had the dirt from his own tomb under his nails. And so just as the creation poem and the Easter story both begin in darkness, we see another connection here between a garden and a gardener. In the creation story, God uses the dirt and dust from the ground and he shapes it, he forms it, he plays with it deep in the ground. And eventually it becomes people. And he breathes his life and spirit into them and they become living. It's a resurrection story. But it starts with all of this ordinary dirt. And you know what? Dirt's messy, right? Probably shouldn't have done that. No. It's messy, but it doesn't end there. God builds from that place of messiness. He opens up new possibilities, new life. And I love it that God looks at dirt and he says, I can do something with that. What an amazing thing that that is. And I think that's why we're told that Mary mistook Jesus for the gardener because the God of Easter is a God who still has dirt underneath his fingernails. A God who steps into our world in this unimpressive way. Jesus born in a dirty stable. And as Jesus walks the earth, he shows us a God who isn't scared from dirt who isn't scared or backs away from messiness, but a God who kneels in that dust and dirt with us and walks alongside of us in our tears and pain and grief. And he looks at that messiness that each of us carries and says, I can do something with that. That reality, that resurrection is found in the dirt and messiness of life is something good and hopeful to lean into in this moment. 
because it can create all sorts of new possibilities and hope for our lives. You might be familiar with the story of Jane Martsuski, a singer known as Nightbird. Jane appeared on America's Got Talent in 2021, where she received a golden buzzer for her original song called It's Okay. During her audition, Jane shared a bit of her story that included receiving a terminal cancer diagnosis, followed shortly thereafter by a gut-wrenching divorce. Her blog fills in more of her journey, and if you ever get a chance to find it and read it, I want to encourage you to do so because her writings are so profound and inspiring. Sadly, Jane passed away two months ago, but she's left an incredible legacy through her Christian faith and her songs and her writings. But I want you to listen to something she wrote just a year ago because it speaks to this reality of Easter dirt and that resurrection is found in the dirt and messiness of life. Here's what she said. Most people never think about breathing, but I think about it a lot. There is a time when there are too many tumors in my lungs for the doctors to count. Knowing the number wouldn't have changed the outcome. I was running out of room for air. Even as the tumors shrunk, I found myself breathing shallow and sometimes not breathing at all. The tumors were getting smaller, but the grief was sprawling out. I don't think it's meaningless, the story that says God sculpted us from clay. Of all the things he made, humankind was the first that God touched. The first breath we tasted was his exhale. I don't think it's meaningless that the first time humanity looked up at the eyes of God, his hands were dirty and he was close. Maybe we missed it. What God showed us when he first introduced himself, that he will crawl in the dirt to be near us and he will fill our lungs with air when we don't know how to breathe. There's one more reality I want us to consider in the Easter story. And it's the moment when things begin to change for Mary. Up until that moment, Mary keeps turning her attention and focus, even her body position, back towards the tomb. And it totally makes sense. She's just trying to figure out what's going on. And so she keeps coming back to the place of her greatest pain, her greatest loss, the memories, everything that is there behind her. I think it's what we tend to do when we experience storms in life. And the first time Jesus speaks to her, Mary turns around and she thinks he's the gardener. And as we talked about, what a beautiful mistake that that is because it paints us such a beautiful insight into the resurrection story. But the second time Jesus speaks, he says something else and it makes her turn around one more time. But this time she recognizes him. What did Jesus say? Her name. The reality of the resurrection happened when Jesus called her by name. In that moment when Jesus speaks her name, Mary turns and she looks up into the eyes and the face of Jesus. And in that split second of time, she recognizes him. His voice calling her name connects to her heart. And she realizes that the one who declared himself to be the I am resurrection and the life is standing fully present right in front of her. And that moment changes everything. Not just in Mary's story, 
but in each of our stories as well. Because in that moment, everything becomes possible because death itself is stopped in its very tracks. An empty tomb messes death up. Jesus' resurrection is the ultimate what could be because it is rooted in Jesus, the one who is the resurrection and the life. What is makes possible what could be. In moments earlier, what seemed like this dead end now opens up endless possibilities for life and hope and resurrection, not just for a later time, but for this moment right here, right now. I love how the disciple Peter writes about it later on. He says, because Jesus was raised from the dead, we've been given a brand new life and have everything to live for, including a future in heaven. And the future starts now. Something transformative and life-changing happens when Jesus calls us by name. You may be sitting here today feeling overwhelmed and alone, maybe even a bit broken. And that's okay. That's where I'm at. But Jesus is here and he's calling your name today. He knows each of our stories. He knows each of our situations that you and I and those around us are walking through. Jesus knows what darkness and grief feel like. And he willingly gets down into the dust and the muck and the dirt of our lives and says, I will be with you in that. And he's here calling your name and calling my name today. He's inviting us to turn around from the place of our deepest hurt and loss and grief and pain. And he's saying, would you turn around and look at me and let your eyes refocus and recenter on him? Because that's when resurrection life and hope begins. Let me read one final beautiful thought from Nadia Boltzweber. The Easter hope we have has nothing to do with optimism or the avoidance of suffering. It is a hope that can only come from a God who has experienced birth and love and friendship and betrayal and suffering and death and burial and a descent into hell itself. Only a God who has suffered himself can bring us any real hope of resurrection. The Christian faith is one that does not pretend things aren't bad. It is a faith that produces a defiant hope that God is still writing the story and that despite darkness, a light shines and that God can redeem our crap and that beauty matters and that despite every disappointing thing we have ever done or that we have ever endured, that there is no hell from which resurrection is impossible. The Christian faith is one that kicks at the darkness until it bleeds daylight. Resurrection is the defiant hope that God is still writing my story and he's still writing your story and calling each of us by name. And that is the best news and reality that we could ever imagine or experience. And so here's what I'm learning in my own journey and experience. I'm trying, like Mary, just to show up, to be present in the place and moments of my greatest grief 
and loss and pain. To know I don't need to figure out the answers, but that I can simply be present and honest and raw in the moment that I'm in right now, in my emotions, in my heart. To acknowledge that it has been a dark and difficult time, but also to dare to believe that the first heartbeats of resurrection and hope begin in the darkness. I'm limping through grief, but I'm also holding on to hope. I'm trying to let Jesus' words, I am the resurrection and the life seep down deep into my soul. To lean into the truth of those words that Jesus is present with me. He doesn't say, I was the resurrection and the life back on that first Easter Sunday. And he doesn't say, I will be the resurrection and the life at some undefined point in the future. He says, I am. I am present fully and alive at work in this time, in this space, in this moment. And so because of that, I'm trying to learn what it means to keep turning my life back to Jesus to keep turning from those places of grief and loss and to keep turning back to Jesus. I'm needing to make a decision every day, sometimes multiple times in a day, to defiantly lean into the hope and love and resurrection life of Jesus. As someone has said, resurrection is about reviving God's love over and over and over and over again in our lives. Maybe that's your story as well today. And so the invitation this Easter Sunday is to turn your life towards Jesus. To know that Jesus can take the dark, messy, empty, broken, painful places of our lives and breathe new life and hope and breath into us. If you've never opened your life to Jesus before, in just a moment, I want to lead us in prayer. I know there are many of us here today who need to lean once again into our own relationship with Jesus to hear our names spoken again, to feel his resurrection breath come and fill us from the inside out and to know that that future hope of resurrection can actually start now. Let's pray. Jesus, in this moment, as we celebrate Easter and the beginning of new possibilities. I pray for every person that is in this room today. You know the situations, the circumstances that each of us are walking through. For some, it feels fairly easy or fairly normal and uneventful. Others are experiencing the worst storms of their life and people are on, on all sorts of that spectrum here today. And I pray in this moment for those who have perhaps never turned their life back to Jesus before, that in this moment, that you would say, Jesus, I'm turning away from the moments and places of my deepest pain, my deepest hurt, my deepest brokenness. And while I don't have it figured out, I am trusting and deciding in this moment to turn and to face you. And I invite you to come and to begin that relationship with me and to come into my life, changing me from the inside out. 
And for those of us who in this moment need to once again be reminded to turn back to Jesus, I pray that in this moment, we would remind ourselves defiant hope that God is still writing our story. And so would you come in this moment, Jesus, continue to speak our names that we may turn and look you in the face. In Jesus' name, amen.